very heavy passage, I think, uh, and one sometimes we 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 skim over, perhaps. Uh, but will you pray with me and pray for yourself as we're praying? Because I think God has something to say to each one of us. Heavenly Father, God, I know as we come to your word, every week as we come to your word, God, it, it is powerful and it is effective and it cuts through bone and marrow and it pierces our heart. And yet today as we look at your word, we recognize there's a, uh, a heaviness and a gravity of what we are going to read and God, I pray, Lord, that you would open our eyes to see the spiritual truth reality that is all around us. I pray that your spirit would be at work in each one of us here, that we would hear uh, your message, what you would want us to know and to do and to be changed by. We thank you. We pray these things in your son's name. Amen. If you need a Bible, go ahead and raise your hand. One of the ushers will hand you a Bible. But over the past couple of weeks, we've been... past several months, I suppose, we've been going through the book of Ephesians. And the book of Ephesians, it's a fantastic book. Paul tells us that we are not just normal people. We are sons and daughters of the God Most High. We're reminded that we have this spiritual blessing. Every single spiritual blessing that is possible has been given to you and to me. So if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you have this tremendous inheritance, this tremendous wealth this tremendous blessing that maybe you weren't even aware of. And uh, over the past couple of weeks, Paul has moved from who we are in Jesus Christ to how we should live, right? And the overarching principle there really is we should mutually submit to one another. So whether that is father, son, parent, child, husband, wife, or even worker, uh, worker, employee, there should be the sense of mutual submission, not because they deserve respect or they're paying us for respect, but because we're submitting to Jesus Christ. Today we come to a passage uh, that we've already read, but I think sometimes we kind of skim over and we overlook or we we fail to recognize how serious this is. And I I fear if if we don't take it seriously, this will probably be the one thing that will cause many of us to stumble in our Christian walk. So I'm going to read this again. Finally, Paul writes, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic power over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Paul has told us how we should live our lives. He has told us how we should relate with our spouses, how we should care for our families, how we should uh, conduct ourselves in the workplace. And then Paul says, here is perhaps the most crucial aspect to the Christian life that we need to realize. And what he's saying is, Christian, you are at war. And, and I know when, when you hear a f- statement like that, you're thinking, well, that's it's a little uh, blunt. Uh, you know, I, I understand that Christians are, you know, are persecuted and Christians are uh, oppressed at times. But Paul says you are at war. If you have chosen to follow Jesus Christ, you need to realize that the Christian life 
It's not a playground. We don't, we don't become Christians and say, hey, let's see how we could be entertained. The Christian life is not an amusement park. We don't go on, on whatever rides we feel will give us the most joy. The Christian life isn't a, a park where we go and we observe and we see and we say and wonder, wow, that was a good worship set. Paul tells us the Christian life is a battlefield. And if you fail to realize that you are in battle daily, moment by moment, we do it at our own peril. But here's a catch. And I think especially in our day, we may confuse what war we are engaged in. The Christian battle is not against politics, though policies and legislations have a lot to do with it. The Christian battle is not against liberals. It's not against progressives. It's not against conservatives. Though all of those impact this battle that Paul talks about. The Christian battle is not even about pro-life or pro-choice. Though this battle that Paul talks about affects it as well. The Christian battle is a war with Satan and his demonic forces. You are at war with Satan and his demonic forces. I'm just going to let that sit in because when you begin to think about what that means, it can be exceedingly overwhelming, can't it? You are at war with Satan and his demonic forces. Look at what Paul writes. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. He's saying we're not fighting against people here. We're not fighting against our, our co-workers. We're not fighting against our spouses. We're not fighting against our kids. We're not fighting against our neighbors. We're not fighting against politicians. We're not fighting against uh, those who seem to uh, take away our rights. We're fighting against the rulers, against the authority, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. So the first question I want to ask for you as followers of Jesus Christ today, do you know that you're in a war? Do you recognize and you wake up and you realize that there is a battle going on all around you and every day, every moment, Satan would like nothing better than to see you fall and stumble? In 2009, uh, Barna did a survey they actually, we did this survey in 2016, but the 2009 survey asked a variety of spiritual questions. One of them asking the question, do you believe uh, that Satan is in fact real? And so they asked over 1,800 self-described Christian. Now, I'm just going to lay it out. You know, this is self-described Christian, so what, whatever that means. But over 1,800 uh, men and women who called themselves Christian Four out of ten strongly agreed that Satan is not a living being, but is a symbol of evil, right? So that means 40% did not believe that Satan was real, but really the Bible used Satan and uh, demons as a metaphor for evil. An addition, additional two out of ten uh, said they agree somewhat. So is on a scale of one to four, four being uh, I strongly uh, agree that Satan is not real, and three being, you know, I somewhat agree. So roughly 60% of self-described Christians said that Satan is not real. That Satan is just 
an expression of evil. Satan is just a metaphor for evil. 60% of these 1,800 Christians have no idea that there is an enemy out there waiting to devour them. Reminded of, uh, you know, I really enjoy watching sports movies. But it's like watching a boxer, right? This boxer, he's just getting pummeled. He's getting beat up. And every time uh, the, the period ends, he goes back to his corner and his coach is saying, hey, don't worry, champ. He's not hitting you. He's not touching you. You know, you, you're, 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 you're still the champ. And the boxer looks at his coach. He's like, well, if he's not hitting me, you better check the ref because somebody's hitting me and I just don't know who it is. I fear that a lot of us as Christians, we're getting beat up. We're being attacked. We're being derailed by Satan and we have no idea who the enemy is. We don't even realize that there is a battle going on all around us. And some of us, because we are modern people with scientific training, we, we, we chalk most of what goes on in life to cause and effect. Something that is rational, so, something that makes sense, something that is physical. But Paul reminds us there is a reality that we cannot see. And that spiritual reality is just as real, perhaps even more so, than the physical reality. And scripture tells us from the very beginning, Satan's goal is to tear God's creation away from having a relationship with God. He does this by tempting Adam and Eve and causing them to doubt God's goodness. He does this by causing jealousy within Cain and Abel, causing one to murder his own brother. He does this by causing men and women to worship idols and animals, and everything under the sun so that they would not worship the one and true God. He does this by tempting you and me with power, with pleasure, with possession, with, with sin and guilt and shame. Satan's goal is to pull us away from God, to destroy our relationships within the family, right? within the marriage, within the workplace, and oftentimes Satan will use whatever method he can to discourage you and me from trusting in the goodness of God, trusting in the character of God, trusting that God's plan is better. And he does this with sometimes with physical suffering, sometimes with emotional, sometimes with relational suffering. There's some of you here who've you've served God faithfully. Perhaps for many, many years you've 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 just come to church and you worship God and you discipled people and you've given generously and, and, and you look at your life and you, you realize the relationships that you have is kind of a mess. Maybe your kids are far away from, from you or from God. You, you, perhaps you can't get a job. The bills just keep on piling up and on and on. And you're looking at your life and you're like, God, I, I've done all these things. And yet I see the reality of my life. Is it really worth following you? Don't chalk that up. Just a coincidence. There's a spiritual reality. For some of us, Satan, he can't get us to stop praising God with suffering. And sometimes he goes the other way. Sometimes Satan gives us blessings. That seems like blessings. Productivity, prosperity. And he, he's just like, you're in the flow. You're, you're doing so well in school and you're doing so well at work and they just want to keep on promoting you and you, you get more and more projects and, and you just realize, hey, I have no time to spend with God or God's people. 
You see, Satan is the enemy, and we have to be aware that Satan's main task is to attack followers of Jesus Christ, to attack you and I, to take our eyes off of Jesus. Peter describes that Satan is like a roaring lion waiting to devour you. He's not this character that we see in TV or in movies. His greatest joy is to see Christians fall and stumble. So we need to remind ourselves that we are at war with Satan and his demonic forces. It's also equally important to remind ourselves that when we read a passage like that, that the real enemy is Satan and it's not people. Right? Because at the same time, when we read a passage like that, sometimes, sometimes we look at our boss and we say, well, no, he's the enemy. We look at our spouse and say, no, she's the enemy. We look at our kids and say, well, you know, obviously, <laughs> they're the enemy. And we're like, ah, I just want to hurt someone. Paul reminds us, no, our battle, our battle is not against flesh and blood. People are not the enemies. They're the, they're the victims of the enemy, sure. But the real enemy is Satan and his demonic forces. So we need to recognize that as followers of Jesus, we are in a war. So what do you do about this war? Paul tells us, actually, I, I kind of skipped around. I'm sorry, in verse 12. I'm going to go back to verse 10 now. Paul reminds us, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. The second thing we need to do after we recognize that we are in a war is that we need to recognize that God is the God who has conquered Satan. God is a God who has overcome death, overcome sin. And on our own, now this is very important for all of us to remember, on our own, we don't have enough willpower. We don't have enough discipline. We don't have enough uh, self-control to overcome Satan. But God already has. God already has overcome. God already has victory. And the question for us is, do you really believe that God has victory over Satan? Because if you do, find your strength in God. Paul reminds us the strength doesn't come from ourselves. And too often we think, well, thank you, Jesus, for giving me salvation. I'll take it from here. Right? I'll battle these temptations. I'll battle these addictions. I'll battle these bitter feelings. I'll battle this unforgiveness. I'll do it on my own because I'm a pretty good person. Mom and dad raised me right. And I have a lot of self-control and I have a lot of, you know, accountability even. I'm going to take care of it, but thanks for salvation, Jesus. Paul says, no, that's not how it works. It's not by your own strength that we overcome Satan, but it's by the strength of God. There's a story uh, many of us are familiar with. Uh, David, as a young shepherd boy, uh, I've been going through the Old Testament with my discipleship groups. So I think a lot of these illustrations come from uh, the passage I've been reading recently. But David, as a young shepherd boy, uh, comes against Goliath. And a lot of times we, we remember the story of David and Goliath. We forget that when David goes to King Saul, Right, the king is kind of sitting on his in his in his back room, trying to figure out what should we do. David said, "Hey, I've taken care of wild animals. I'll take care of this giant." And what does King Saul? King Saul says, "Okay, 
I'm going to put my entire nation into the hand of this young man, which is really bad leadership, first of all. But he says, I'll tell you what, I'll give you my, I'll give you my breastplate, I'll give you my shield, I'll give you my chain mail, you know, like, I'll armor you. Okay, so he's a bad leader, but at least he tries to keep David alive. David puts it on, and he's like, huh, I can't move around in this stuff. Right, so he he finally takes it off, and so what does he do? He goes against Goliath with nothing more than just some stones and a, a sling. Right? Notice what David says. This is a this is right before he says, "I'm going to chop off your head." He says, "Then David said to the Philistine, this is Goliath, you come to me with a sword, you come to me with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied." David knew something that Paul is trying to remind us of. It's not by might. It's not by our own might. It's not by our own power. It's by God who overcomes Satan. So when we're tempted, when we, when our eyes begin to recognize that you and I are in a spiritual battle, right? Whether it's temptation, just outright temptation. Whether it's it's um, a bitterness or whether it's broken relationships, and we begin to see that we are being tempted, we are being attacked by Satan. Do we recognize that God is a God who has already overcome Satan, and all we need to do is be reminded of the gospel? There's a story I've heard years ago about a slumlord who had this tenant. And she was this poor woman who didn't have much money. And every week, every month, he would come and bang on her door and say, you owe me rent. She's like, I'm barely making it by. My husband passed away. My kids are far away. I could barely survive. She's like, I don't care. You owe me all this money. Like, well, can you at least fix the heater or fix the AC? Because it's so cold and miserable. I don't care. You just owe me. Month after month, this landlord comes. One day, she hears a knock on the door and she's, she's ready to face her, her landlord and, and instead this man comes and says, oh wow, this place is, this place is a mess. He's like, excuse me, who, who are you? He's like, oh, I'm sorry, I just bought this whole building and I, I'm so sorry that you have to live in this slum. You know, don't worry, I'll come in. We'll put a new carpet. We'll, we'll, we'll fix the AC. We'll fix the heater. We'll give you a new fridge and kitchen. Everything will be remodeled for you. And she's like, oh, I, I can't afford that. Don't worry about the rent. You know, from now on, you're living here rent free. She could hardly believe her ears. She's like, oh my goodness, this is, this, this cannot be real. And so the next week, they had contractors come in. They pulled out the old stinky uh, carpet and put in new flooring. And then they put in new appliances. They fixed the AC. And, and the, the new landlord came by and says, good, everything's going just as according to plan. And he says to the lady, one day your old landlord's going to come back. And he's going to ask for rent again. But I, I want you to tell him. You, you don't have to argue with him. You don't. You just say, I have a new landlord. And sure enough, a couple months goes by. She hears the bang on the door again and he's banging, hey, you owe me rent and you owe me back rent. She says, what, what, what did that guy, what did, what did the new landlord tell me? He's like, oh. 
She's about to open the door and she remembers, she's like, no, 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 you don't have to argue with him. Just tell him I have a new landlord. She says, I, I have a new landlord and uh, he tells me to tell you to go away. <laughs> no, you owe me rent. You owe me five months of rent. She's a little bit braver. No, you could take it up with my new landlord. Here's his number. And you could hear this old slum landlord huffing outside and says, well, I'll be back. When Paul tells us to be strong in the Lord, he's not telling us to fight our own fights. He's reminding us there is a God who has already uh, conquered Satan. And all we need to do is to trust in the accomplished work that Jesus Christ has done. For some of us, we are attacked by Satan because we're discouraged and work isn't going as well as it should be. Our relationships are panning out and dreams just aren't being fulfilled. And it's very easy for us to look at our problems and say, Oh, God, why did I even follow you? And Paul reminds us, remember the cross. Remember your identity. Remember the spiritual blessings that God has given to you. Remember that you have this new identity. You are the son of the God most high. And when you feel like a failure, God says, no, you're precious. And when you feel like you're abandoned, God says, no, you're part of my family. When you feel like you're poor and you're broken, God says, you have every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. So be strong in Christ. For some of us, we're faced with temptations. We're faced with attacks from Satan we need to remind ourselves our strength is in Christ. There's a there's a passage. You guys NBA fans? How many of you guys are Warriors fans? Raise your hand. I just want to laugh at you for a little. No, I'm just kidding. No. I will get my year. There's a there's a passage that, that you know, uh, Steph Curry writes a lot, the Philippians 4, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And I used to read that and think, wow, that's awesome, right? Like I could be like Superman. But if you read the context of that verse, uh, Paul's actually saying, you know, it's not that I can do all things and God gives me the super uh, amazing ability to do all things. He says, it doesn't matter what situation I'm in. I can be brought low. I, I know what it is to have a lot. I know when I, when I have plenty or when I have hunger, abundance and need. And, and when he's saying this, he's saying, I know the secret to despite whatever attacks Satan may throw at me. Sometimes they're physical. Right? Sometimes they're relational. Sometimes they're emotional. Sometimes they're professional. And Paul's saying, I know the secret because my strength is in Christ. Paul tells us to be strong. Whatever temptation you're facing, whatever attack you're facing, remember that you're in a war and be strong in Christ. Notice what else Paul says. He says to put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Actually, I was supposed to go through the whole section this week. I was supposed to go through uh, 10 verses. I'm like, oh, this is just too good to to shove all into one week. So we're going to cover the armor of God next week. But what I want us to uh, realize or what I want us to notice here is the third thing that Paul commands us is we are called to stand against Satan by knowing his schemes. 
We're to stand against Satan by knowing his schemes. Now, we don't see this in the English, but when Paul's writing this, he's saying, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. It's not like a general scheme. He's actually putting a definite article. He's saying, Satan has a scheme for you. The word scheme, it's actually, we get, it's from this Greek word that we get the word method from. It's the method. It's the design. It's the plans that Satan uses when he attacks us. And the imagery is this. He has a plan and he has a file on each one of us. Right? He has a file with your name on it and he knows exactly your strengths and your weakness. You guys ever, um, I don't know if you guys use uh, you know, Amazon, right? And, you, and you're buying stuff and, and all of a sudden, uh, apologies first to any Amazon employees, but all of a sudden they're like, they're, they're recommending things for you. Right? They're like, oh, you read this book. You would love this book also. Right? Oh, hey, you bought this. Oh, you would love this. Or, or perhaps you do a search and all of a sudden all the ads that's, that you're looking at, it's like, oh, how do they know that I want, you know, Sacramento Kings jersey? Or how do they know, you know, I want these things? It's because they have these complex algorithms. To, to, to look at what you're looking at. They, they know how long you're looking at something and they could determine if he's looking at this thing or she's looking at this thing for more than five seconds, there's a high likelihood that she's going to purchase this. So I'm going to put this right in front of them. That's Amazon's scheme. Now, not to draw too, too, uh, too clear of a line, Satan has a scheme also. I'm just saying what scripture is saying. Satan has a scheme and his scheme is to cause you to fall. He knows your strengths. He knows your weaknesses. And he's working on you. And he's not going to try to to cause you to stumble in ways that you may be strong in. He's going to work on ways that you may be weak in. Perhaps for some of us, it's, it's laziness. Satan knows that we have a propensity to be lazy. And so he distracts you. Or perhaps for some of us, it's pride. Satan knows your pride is is bigger than, than anything else. So he appeals to our pride. For some of us, it's success. And Satan knows if he put success out there like a carrot, we'd walk away from God. For others, it's dreams or hopes. And Satan knows that he could pull those strings like a puppeteer. For some of us, he knows we get discouraged when relationships are broken or when we face physical trials or when we have uncertainty about certain things. See, these are the schemes of the devil. And these are the methods that the devil tries to derail me and tries to derail you. He tries to take our eyes off of Jesus Christ. And Paul reminds us there is a battle going on all around. Are you aware? Are you finding your strength in what Christ has already done on the cross? And finally, do you know the schemes that Satan uses to attack you? Do you know the weaknesses that Satan seems to poke at? Do you know the areas that that you tend to fall? There's There's a passage that Paul's writing to the church in Corinth. The church in Corinth was all sorts of messed up. Uh, they had they had all sorts of problems, and there's this one particular problem. 
Most scholars believe there's a couple letters that are missing in between 1st and 2nd uh, Corinthians. But there's a particular problem where a man was sleeping with his stepmother. And Paul says, this is nuts. You guys cannot allow this to happen. Kick the guy out. Apparently, uh, they do that, and the guy repents. And now, uh, the Corinthians were like so uh, eager to kick people out and to keep them out. Uh, Paul has to write them and address this issue again. He says, let this guy back in. <laughs> he's repentant. He, he's apologized, right? Like he wants to be back uh, part of the fellowship. He, he recognizes what he's lost. He's changed his way. And he says, uh, forgive that guy. Forgive that guy so that we will not be outwitted by Satan, for we are not ignorant of his designs. Notice what Paul here is saying. He's saying, you know, Satan would love nothing more than to divide a church. That is his design. How many churches have you heard of that have split up? You hear church splits is, is, is almost like commonplace, right? And sometimes we'll, we'll, um, they'll, they'll rephrase it and say, well, it's really a church plant or really it's just, you know, different ideology. But it's because people can't get along with people. Where do you think that comes from? Paul tells the church in Corinth, be aware of what Satan is trying to do in your church. Because Satan would like nothing more than to cause division within a church. And as Satan works against whole churches, he also works against us as individuals. You ever notice, you have no problem. I have no problem waking up for our work days, right? Every day you get up whenever you get up, six, seven, eight, for some of you engineers, nine, ten, right? So you get up whenever, I'm not, <laughs> you get up whenever you get up, no problem. And everything goes smoothly. You eat your breakfast, you get your work, you know, and then Sunday rolls around, Right? And it's a day that you want to worship God. It's a day that, you know, you want to be with God's people. You want to recognize, oh, God is so great. Your alarm doesn't go off. And the kids are fighting milks all over the floor. Car won't start. Something happens. And you, by the time you get to church, by the time you get into this room, you wanted to worship God. You wanted to praise God. And you're just like frustrated with it. It's like, oh my gosh, I should have just stayed home. What are Satan's designs against you? Paul reminds us our battle is not against alarm clocks and spilt milk. It's not against kids or our spouses. Our battle is against Satan. And Satan has a method for attacking you. You ever notice when you really want to step out in faith, right? you want to go on a mission trip or you want to share the gospel. You want to be intentional with how you live and how you spend your money so that you could share the gospel with someone. You want to support your church or support an organization that you believe in. And all of a sudden, when you make that commitment, something happens. Your water heater breaks. Unexpected $1,000 bill. right? Or all of a sudden, uh, previous uh, addictions and sins that you didn't have to deal with, it just kind of rears its ugly head. You're like, oh my gosh, I, I want to serve God. I want to love God. I want to, I want to do you know, what God wants me to do. And I'm just facing all sorts of attack. Paul reminds us our battle is not against broken water heaters. It's not against our past. It's against, not against flesh and blood. It's, it's against Satan and his demonic forces. You ever find yourself arguing with someone and perhaps it started off as even a non-issue. But they said things and then you said things and then they said things and they made a comment about you and, and it just kind of blew up. 
maybe to the point of physical altercation. And and there's no way you would admit that you're wrong because you know you're not wrong. Paul reminds us, our battle's not against one another. It's against Satan. And he would love nothing more than to see dissension between believers. And some of us, we look at these situations and we think, well, it's kind of coincidental. It's kind of coincidental that every time I'm preaching, someone gets sick. It's kind of coincidental every time I'm, I'm, I've committed to take a step of faith, something bad happens. It's kind of coincidental every time I, I, I try to um, be intentional in how I live, I get into conflict with this person. Paul's saying, wake up. Open your eyes. There is a spiritual battle that is going on and you need to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. Because when we stand firm, when we, when we know Satan's schemes, and this is so important, when you know how Satan is attacking you, it reminds you, first of all, that you are in a spiritual battle. Right? Because it's so easy to say, huh, I, I have all these coincidences and it seems like every time I'm trying to do something, the same thing happens. It reminds us there's a battle going on. You need to pray. You need to start asking God to intercede for you. It reminds us that we don't need to be discouraged or we don't need to be surprised. Uh, some of you guys know, actually, that this does happen to me. Preaching, preaching is quite a joy for me, but it does seem like uh, when I'm preaching, there's always something that happens, right? And so this past week, I'm like, oh, you know, I'm only talking about Satan. I'm only, I'm only opening up the church's eyes to demonic warfare and all that. It's like, oh, no big deal, right? And, and of course, of course, one of my kids gets sick. Of course, it's like it kind of takes your eyes off of things. But when you know this is how Satan attacks you, you don't, you're not discouraged. You know, well, this is just part of the battle. This is what it means to follow Christ. You're not surprised. And it prepares us to stand firm. So, hey, I'm going to do this. And this is probably what's going to happen. But I take strength in God. It prepares us. So you warrior fans, some of you guys um, watching, you know, you think, well, Steph Curry is the MVP. Or Kevin Durant, who's now hurt is the MVP or somebody else is the... I'll, I'll tell you who the real MVP is, right? It's Steve Kerr. No, nobody realizes this, but Steve Kerr, the coach of the Warriors, who has, I don't know how many rings he has to his name at this point, he's the real MVP, right? Because he knows exactly how his team works best. He knows who's hurt. Right, And so like all of us who are fans, we're like, oh, will Kevin Durant play? Or, oh, will DeMarcus Cousins? He knows exactly their time frame. And he's also studying film. He's knowing, you know, what is, who's playing Toronto Raptors? What are, what are the Toronto Raptors going to do? Of course, they're going to put Jeremy Lin in because Jesus loves Jeremy Lin. And, he, you know, and so he's going to plan for that attack. He's going to plan for how they're going to, you know, be very physical as Houston was. You know, they're going to send guys and just kind of body up his, and he prepares his team for it. Steve Kerr teaches us what it means to stand firm. We're prepared for Satan's attack. We know what he'll do. We know our weaknesses. We're reminded that we are not strong enough on our own. But we need to find strength in God. And Paul says, don't be surprised 
by how the enemy attacks. Don't be surprised that the enemy does attack. Don't be discouraged. It's going to happen. Open your eyes to it. So friends, do you know, do you know that when you've become adopted into God's family, you've received every spiritual blessing, you've, you've gotten every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms, but you've also been drafted into battle. There's a passage in 2 Kings. This is kind of an interesting passage. And I'm going to end with this. Elijah is a prophet of God. And what that means is he kind of speaks for God and be, you know, for his people. And there's this other king, the Syrian king, that wants to attack Israel. But because God is with Elijah, Elijah continues to tell the king, hey, this, the Syrian king is going to come and he's going to be here. And so they keep on evading the Syrian king. And finally, the Syrian king got so upset with Elijah, he says, I'm going to go and I'm going to kill him. I'm going to send hundreds of chariots and hundreds of soldiers, hundreds of horses. And he's just this one man in the small village of Dothan. But I'm going to capture him. I'm going to kill him. And then I'm going to destroy Israel. So one morning, his uh, servant wakes up. He's you know probably making Elijah coffee. And he looks out the window. And he's like, holy moly. There are hundreds of chariots outside and there's hundreds. Of, so he probably, he runs over to Elijah. He says, Master, uh, we have some visitors and they're probably going to kill us. Elijah says, hey, don't worry. You know, I, I, I know you're, you're just a servant, but we got more people going on outside. And he says this, he says, don't be afraid for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And notice, this is so interesting because I I think there's a lot of spiritual truth here. Then Elijah prayed and said, Oh Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. So the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elijah. There is a spiritual reality that is going on all around us in our cities, in our homes, in our neighborhood. And oftentimes, oftentimes we choose not to believe it. Because it's not physical or it's not rational. And as Elijah prays, I pray for us as a church that our eyes would be open to see that we are at war. But don't worry because God has already won. So take your strength in what God has done. But be prepared when Satan attacks. A couple things to think about as we wrap up. Do you know that you're in a spiritual battle? Let's just be honest. 60% of that Barna survey said, we don't even believe Satan is real. How about you? Do you believe that there is a physical, actual uh, entity out there that wants to destroy you, that wants to derail your faith? Are you prepared for him? How does Satan tempt you or discourage you? Right? We all have our own weaknesses. For some of us, it's, you know, every time I'm overly tired, I, I just lash out in anger. Or I'm so busy, I, I just don't have time to read God's word. Perhaps for some of us, it, it's the allure of pleasure or of sex, other temptation. How does Satan tempt you? Find your strength in God this week. And, it, and I would love for you to spend time with, with those you trust in, in this body to, to help hold you accountable. Are you prepared for Satan's schemes? I think this is so important because if we don't know how Satan attacks us, then we'll just keep on falling. We're like the boxer that keeps on getting beat up. And we're like, huh, what's going on? 
How come every time I try to do something, it never seems to go right? Friends, we are in a battle. Whether you choose to acknowledge it or not, if you want to grow and thrive as a follower of Jesus Christ, we need to open our eyes to this battle. We need to stand firm against the schemes of Satan. And we need to find our strength in God's might. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we are so grateful, Lord, that you are a God that has overcome. You go before us, you stand behind us. And there are many times that our eyes are closed and blinded to the reality that there's a spiritual battle going on for the souls and eternity of those we love all around us. Would you open our eyes so that we can engage, not by our own strength, but by trusting in what you have done. We pray these things in your son's name. Amen.